Well, hello, and welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community, mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. You'll be hearing from Fisher poet Shannon Zellerhoff with introduction by MC Doug Rhodes. This set was recorded at the Liberty Theater on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. So, without further ado, here's the show. Okay, now if you're looking on your program and you see the name Sierra Golden in there, uh, well, Sierra Golden is not here, but in her place, we have Shannon Zellerhoff. And Shannon, there we go. Shannon is from Dimming, Washington. She's been working, we got other people from Dimming, how about that? She's been working on the water since she was 16. Now she's a licensed merchant mariner, but Shannon cut her teeth in the Bering Sea fish and crab, halibut, and cod. Let's give a big warm welcome to Shannon Zellerhoff. Good evening. All right. So uh, these poems have been created over about a 30-year span. And uh, like a lot of gear, they go in the water, they soak a while, they come back out, you repair them, you make changes. As we grow, we get a lot of new perspective. And that has to go back into the work that was original. So uh, I'm going to read you a poem from the crab fishing era of my life, which was almost a 10-year span in the 90s out of Dutch Harbor. Um, the, the second poem will be more from the merchant mariner side of my life, which is the current side. And I'm very fortunate that I've been on the water for so many years that it talks to me when I'm out there and gives the feedback of the horrors, the hardships, the beauties, the characters, and just the passion for the industry. So this is called The Hunting Grounds. The rainfall reminds me of lean times, wandering in wet cotton clothes, moving rudderless between the listing wooden crosses bearing Russian names given on a green Unangan hill. Or again, from the village, crossing the bridge to the other side, from rub rail to bait shed, I moved through a fog of mercurial island weather moods, circling, wheeling, like a glaucous gull with a broken wing. Behind my right shoulder, the harbor's icing edge cracked like glass. Sea snakes lifted out of the fissures and went streaking across the surface like steam escaping from a piping hot valve. Later, I spent the afternoon straying as far as I could from the cemetery. I went to look at the bishop's house and I leaned against the Russian church with all my might, 
waiting to hear something. Instead, I heard wheezing and buzzing, the Carl's grocery store and its pathetic waterlogged sign blinking announced liquor into a muddy puddle across the dirt road by the edge of the cruel but lovely sea. Somehow, I thought, the villagers managed to dry their clothes outside during the winter on a fine white line. Books made lumps in my bunk, anachronistic tomes about gaff-rigged schooners, Chappelle's history of the American fishing fleet, and Bishop Ivanoff's dry account of having lived nearly 200 years ago in the village of Unalashka, where the sea still breaks her back. Bowditch, too big for anything else then, eventually became my favorite pillow. In the village, there was a curious fox I called Sam and a raven, Verla, named Ivan. There were a lot of swiggers and swaggers, their faces twisted unnaturally towards the sky, their arms stretching out to gesticulate a rant, and I wondered, were they begging for that sobering sun? The rain never seemed so wet and heavy as it did that Aleutian year. Fear was as important an element as hope. The former driving me on, the latter promising there will always be another boat. It was rumored by the locals that all of our misery was due to the shaman's revenge. Some boats sank by storm. Others were lost. Some boats capsized. Others just disappeared. You might wonder what the difference between all of that is. Alive on the beach, we crewmen tempered our industrial insanity with fevers of music and women and drink. But we never found reason to quit. Girlfriends never lasted. Neither did boyfriends, as I was to learn. Turns out nobody on the beach had any patience for our water-soaked sort. Our lives were dictated by numbers and dates, storm warnings, biomass counts, pot limits, shipyard repairs, coast guard regulations, our livelihood hung on the predictions of harvestable catches yet uncaught, superstitions, bait. Slowly I began to notice that something important was slipping away from me, something that had made my dreams become dead. I became as irascible and remorseful as a priest who after falling in love with a beautiful woman he knows he cannot have, realizes the reality of his choice. This is the moment when you squarely face the fact that the very thing you swore you could give up forever is already gone. But oh, 
how life's exhilarating purpose would explode, booming in my ears like wedding trumpets whenever I was on the deck at sea. It was there, pounding in my chest, generating that extremely dangerous excitement that I had become addicted to from working side by side with death, dancing inside a reeling pool of sodium vapor lights, the waves merging sea and deck, deck and sea. And so the grueling job would win, demanding I return again and again to the hunting grounds. And though my heart was sore, it commanded, and my stubborn boots nailed to the deck obeyed. Thank you. It's always very hard to read the poems about crab fishing because as those of you who've been out there know, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's a, something that gets into your blood and your bones and your psyche. <laughs> the merchant marines is a little um, easier. <laughs> so this one's gonna be lighter. It's called 12 Bells. The bosun sits on a milk crate. He shanghaied from the steward's galley. Works congealed paint off an overaged roller he should have thrown away. If I'm happy, everybody's happy, he says. The first assistant engineer is as short as he is round, wears his overalls like a giant denim drape. In the myriad pockets and pouches sewn into his bib, he has stowed more tools than the average homeowner has stuffed into a kitchen drawer. The second mate is a hawspiper from Pascagoula. We share the 12 to 4 watch. I've grown to appreciate his flawless affinity for keeping time. Every morning, at 11.57 sharp, he will be setting his watch to match the ship's GPS to the second. He will look at me, grinning as if we were about to run a race. He knows I will never win. Ready? I am standing halfway across the bridge from him beside the ship's horn. This is my 12 o'clock station. All I have to do is look at him and nod. My watch is not as concise as his. It is covered in paint, its computer chip traumatized by the daily violence of busting rust. So he counts down from five, four, three, two. At one, there goes up in unison a flat honk moan from the horn me and the shrill ring from the general alarm, the mate. This pleases him. It sets the mood for an agreeable watch, even in uncomfortable weather. On New Year's Eve, we put into Piraeus, Greece, 3,529 units, which is to say 
Japanese imports, cars, are waiting patiently inside our ship to be offloaded on New Year's Day. I go down to the gangway to relieve the 8 to 12 a little bit early. For 29 minutes, the harbor was still. I remember seeing dozens of coastal freighters, a few inter-island ferries, and one massive container ship whose hull bore the name of her line, CMA-CGM. Without warning, every single ship sounded her whistle and horn. It was more of a call and response than our practice, 12 bells, but the effect was thrilling. Before the last blast completed its echo off the city's walls, the sky began to explode, dazzling absurdities of pyrotechnical fire raining down across the harbor in colors across the rainbow, extinguishing themselves one by one in their own reflective pools. I would be lying to you if I did not disclose the truth. My watch read 23.59. Thanks. I'm going to need a new watch now that I'm licensed. <laughs> All right, so this last one is um, we were in the Antarctic on a research vessel, an ice-breaking research vessel. And once we left the station for the science, we were heading up to Valparaiso, Chile. So this one is aptly named Steaming to Valparaiso. 053 degrees, 49 minutes, 128 seconds south. 066 degrees, 13 minutes, 973 seconds west. Speed over ground, 12.7 knots. Time, 0647 local. I can smell the land. It smells like straw and beach grass. I can smell the waves of the dunes and faintly soil. As I walk my laps around the ship, at the stern mooring station, I am startled by a lost bird. I think it was a shag. I bent over to grab it, to toss him back into the sea, but in doing so, he bit me. I moved my hands involuntarily, as you do when you're bit. My fingers wound around its neck and I flung it into the prop wash. I never saw it surface. I trust it would have, though. In fact, I convinced myself it surely did. Later on, somewhere, it would thank me. For overtime, I carried two enormous trash bags up to the incinerator. The salt spray cloaks my bare arms like a hoary rind. We are just south and east of Cape Horn steaming in the dark of dawn up the coast for Valparaiso. Thank you very much.
That was Fisher poet Shannon Zellerhoff, recorded at the Liberty Theater in Astoria, Oregon, on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to the Fisher Poetry Archive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Come all young sailormen, listen to me. I'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea. Blow ye winds westerly, westerly blow. We're bound to the southern, so steady she goes. 